You are listening to the Long Hollow Students Podcast. For more information and to stay updated, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at LH Students. Welcome to week three of our So What series. Uh, if you haven't been here the, ne- the first two weeks, man, we are in, uh, I'll be honest, the hardest series that I've ever been a part of. Uh, not because I'm, I'm worried about it or it's hard to speak on because of, of, of nerves as far as communicating it, but it's just a hard message to, to talk about when we talked about abortion week one. Uh, if you were here for that, we talked about the importance of life and how all life is valuable. And then we talked about a very, very relevant topic last week, uh, racism. Uh, and then we tied in bullying with that. And then tonight, uh, we are going to talk about um, what I believe outside of next week is probably, uh, I don't want to use the word most important, that's not correct because they're all important, but one of the most relative uh, and, and probably hits home uh, the most out of any of these for all of us in the room. Uh, and I say us because I'm linked in with this topic tonight, and I'll explain more in a second. But uh, when we think about the idea of anxiety, depression, and then, and then suicide, because suicide is often a result of a depressive state. It's a reaction to, most times, depression. Um, it really hits home uh, for us. And so, as I've said every single week, I'm going to ask that right now, um, we don't know who in here is struggling with this. We don't know who is in here that has somebody that's very close to them who is struggling with this. Um, and w- so we want to be respectful for that. And, and so just uh, things will be said, things will happen, and I just ask you to just be cautious of how you, um, how you make uh, facial expressions or, 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 or laugh at certain things. So uh, what I will do, you've done a fantastic job, by the way. Can I just bragging on for a second? Y'all cool with that? Um, yeah, that's fine. Clap for yourselves. Uh, you're Gen Z. Y'all do that, right? So um, you've done a great job of being respectful uh, on these topics. And so uh, thank you for that. And, and, and so... Uh, I said us while I go, when I, when I talked about uh, this being something that, that relates to most of us in the room, and, and here's something that I decided about, uh, about three hours ago that was not planned and wasn't a part of tonight's message, but uh, I had worked through an intro, and I had an intro on how I was going to grab your attention and all this stuff, and I'm like, I, I don't got anything. And so the Lord just said, share your story, and, and honestly, this is the first time, so I'm sharing something with you guys tonight that I've never shared outside of maybe four people, uh, and my wife is, is barely included in, in that. You're like, you keep secrets from wife? No, we just haven't talked in-depthly about it, and so, um, because I'm over it now, but that was a part of my life. So uh, many of you have heard my story. If you were at camp last year, you heard my story. If you've been here for a little while, you've heard my testimony and my story and how relationships and sports plays a huge part of that. Uh, so I'm not going to bore you with my testimony, but I also need to kind of backtrack with that because there's some of you in the room that have never heard it. And so you're going, okay, what's, what, what's the connection to this story? And so um, for those of you that don't know this, I was actually engaged. I don't know if y'all know this or not. Engaged to my high school sweetheart right out of high school. All right, we dated five years, freshman year, all the way to our sophomore year in college. And we decided that uh, we were going to get married going into our sophomore year in college. So we were going to the same um, moved to the same town. We're going to get married. Five months uh, before the wedding, uh, I called her being unfaithful um, with me uh, and to my best friend, who's also going to be a groomsman in our wedding, who also played on the team, uh, who's our center fielder. So, uh, so that, that's what's going down at, at 19 years old, right? That's a, pretty big, that's a pretty big deal. 
But on top of that, I, I got a, a season-ending injury, season-ending injury that, that put me out of, of baseball. So here's two things. Um, uh, relationships, my identity was wrapped so I was infatuated. It was a very un, unhealthy, now looking back, relationship because we acted more like we were married than a dating couple in high school, uh, forgetting that we were teenagers. We weren't uh, 20 years old or 30 years old married, uh, and it was very unhealthy. And then baseball. My identity was wrapped up in both of these things, and so here I am, 19 years old, and I'll never forget, and here's a part of the story that I've never told before, and so uh, bear with me. Um, I'll never forget being in the most dark, heavy place I've ever been in. And it was really uncomfortable for me because here I am. Uh, I've always been a confident person, uh, not cocky or arrogant, but just an athlete, you know what I'm saying? So I had confidence. <laughs> You're like, whatever. And I found myself for the first time having no uh, no clue what, what, I was, what I was doing. I, fe- I, felt like, I felt like I was worth nothing. I felt like I had no, no purpose. I felt like everything that gave me, gave me strength was completely removed. And, and I was just at a very, very dark, dark place. And so I'm searching for answers, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm angry. And, and you can imagine, I lost two of my best friends at the same time. And so all the trust, all these issues, all this stuff was being compiled uh, upon uh, top of each other. And I was in such a dark place that my, my family actually had to come up and, uh, and stay with me for a couple weeks. Seemed like, seemed like months, but it was a couple weeks where they drove two and a half hours and, and my grandparents and my parents would, would rotate out as I stayed in a hotel room uh, with my family. And here's the reason why. I was, I was that bad off. Uh, I was that bad off. And some of y'all are going, I don't see that. I can't, I can't wrap my mind around this. Uh, it was, imagine being me, right? It was completely out of my element too. And so... I, um, I eventually got to a place where, where I, could, I could regain my strength. Hey, I can hear some talking over here. This is a really serious subject, and so I don't know who's talking, but it's really distracting, so if y'all don't mind. I'm trying to share my heart right now. It's kind of hard when I hear people talking. Um, and so here I am, two weeks in, uh, what seemed like months, and then um, you fast forward a little bit. And I go to, I transfer to a different college, play in a different, different team, meet a different girl. It's about a two-year period. And then, um, and then the same thing happens. Uh, we weren't engaged. We are talking about being engaged, all this stuff. And then caught her cheating on me, seizing an injury. My grandfather gets sick, gets diagnosed with cancer, all right? So you all have track with me here? It's about a, about a two-and-a-half-year period at this point. And I never get being just... This depression would follow me. I, I, I would kind of regain my strength, kind of get a shot in the arm, I'd be good, and then something else would happen, and I'd just find myself in this depressive state again. And then here what happened was, I didn't know this at the time, but then my, I found out that my roommates, my parents were calling. I was actually on watch uh, because my roommates would, would watch me and follow me. I didn't know that, but they would follow me. I was that bad. <laughs> and, and, and it's amazing how you can go from being such a strong-willed person to not having a clue how to even get out of bed and it's the weirdest feeling because I, I, I would try, and here's what's crazy about it. I would physically try to get out of bed, but I couldn't. It was like somebody had taken a boulder and sat on my chest, and, and as hard as I wanted to, I just couldn't get out of bed. Nothing brought me joy. Nothing, nothing gave me satisfaction. Everything just seemed dark. Well, then you, you fast forward a few years later, and, and I'm surrendering to the ministry. I'm pursuing the Lord. All of this kind of makes sense. Um, and then I'm, I'm like overwhelmed, overloaded in this anxiety of, of a master's level program, graduate school, and all of this stuff is out of my element. And I remember rolling over one morning. I was supposed to be at work, and I was never late to work. I never called sick. Uh, I rolled over, and I almost physically couldn't even pick up the phone. I was that 
bad. I had a massive anxiety attack. And, and here's, what, here's, here's what saved me is, is um, I, I don't even know how they got in my house, first of all, but a friend of mine showed up in my house, and, and it was finals week, and I wasn't answering the phone. And, and thankfully, they came in my room, and they go, what are you doing? And I explained to them where I was, explained to them, and, and they're like, here's what you're going to do. One, you're going to get up out of bed. You're going to shower. You're going to go take your finals, and then you're going to get help. For the first time, somebody recognized that I was not in a good place because I hit it so well. I hit it so well, but then all of a sudden it comes to the surface and somebody was willing to say, you need help. For the first time, I went and got professional Christian counseling and I went and saw a professional um, who, who examined me and, and, and dove into my mind and dove into my, where I was, my mental state. And for me, the doctor part was never on my radar because I'm like, I don't, depression's a word that's like a cuss word to me. I'm like, I don't want to even say that word. It's hard for me to say. I'm not, I got this. You know what I'm saying? Anybody with me? Like, I got this. I can handle this. I don't need medication. I don't need some freak talking to me. And I don't need uh, a doctor diagnosing me with something that I can handle. That was my mentality. And what I love is this doctor comes in and he never said the word depression. He said this. He said, man, tell me how your mood is. All right, well, right now, not so good. You know what I'm saying? Like, like my mood, I'm like, I never heard that terminology. He goes, Let, let's trace back to how your mood has changed. When, when did it first start to change? I'm like, when I was 19 years old, this happened. Then I was 21 years old, and this happened. And then now this has happened. And he's like, so you've seen a consistency in your mood changing, right? And then these things happen. I'm like, oh, yeah, mood. My mood's like weird. He's like, well, we're going to fix your mood. We're going to try to get you happy. You know, I'm like, all right. So he gave me some happy pills. Uh, and so for them, for the first time, I was able to recognize that I was, uh, it was okay to get help. It was okay to recognize that there were things in my life that were un, out of my control. And let me say this. My family was so good. My family was, was rock stars. But can I tell you, can I just be honest? Pastor had off for a second. Can I just be real as friends? I didn't want to hear it. I didn't want to hear it. All the Jesus-loving, scripture-reading, praying for you. In my mind, can I say this crap at the time? Like the way I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm being real right now. That's how I felt. I'm like, that junk, get it out of here. I don't want to hear it because I'm in this place right now. And none of that helped me not get in this place. And so don't talk to me about the Jesus stuff. Let me just deal with this on myself. But can I just be honest with you again and say that in reality, that's really what got me through it. Because every time I found myself in a dark place, I knew my mom was praying for me. I knew my brother was, was, was weeping on my behalf. I knew my grandparents were weeping on my behalf and lifting me up in prayer. And so I say all that to say I understand that there's people in here that are struggling tonight, and I can sympathize and empathize with you. And I'm going to share scripture, but I want you to hear me from the bottom of my heart. I'm not throwing the Bible at you and saying, Jesus will make it all better because I get it, okay? But what I'm not going to do is not share the truth of who Jesus is and how much he loves you, even to the point of dying on a cross for you to tell you that you're worth something, that even on your darkest day, Jesus was willing to lay down his life so you would have a hope and a reason to go, all right, this, this stinks right now, but Jesus has got me, even when it doesn't seem like it. And so thank you all for, for, for listening to that because we're going to dive in, and I just wanted to preface that because I, don't, I just want to be careful. This is a very serious topic, very sensitive topic, and I want to be careful not to, not to shun it away and to say Jesus will make it all better because sometimes it just doesn't seem like that's true, but it is true. And I'm a living testimony to that. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 40. Uh, and we're going to be in verses 1 through 3. Psalm 40, this is going to be hopefully helpful for us tonight. 
This is going to be comforting for us tonight. You see, this verse, this passage brings me so much comfort and strength as I, as I think about my own battle with depression and, and, and thankfully that's not something I battle with anymore. It was kind of past tense, but those anxieties begin to come like when I'm about to preach over it, you know what I'm saying? So I've been anxious all day. Um, but listen to what King David says. It says this, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord and he turned to me and he heard my cry for help. That's good news, by the way. He brought me up from a desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock. Key word right there. Everybody say rock. Making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and they will trust in the Lord. You see, here's what's going on. Many theologians believe that what is taking place right here is that David wrote this song Psalm after the issues he had with King Saul. So let me just, uh, in case you don't know, uh, David it ran for literally almost seven years from King Saul because King Saul's jealousy caused him to want to pursue David in such a way that he wanted to kill David. So three times he had a, a stinking spear thrown at his head and he dodged it and missed it. Like, whoa. So he had good cat-like reflexes like a puma, right? So that's good. But then he wakes up and he's like, all right, this is getting a little too serious. This is getting a little too real. That spear was a little close to my ear that time. I'm, I'm bouncing. I'm leaving. He tells his wife, I'm out. I'm out. It was Saul's daughter, by the way. She's like, you got to go. My dad's crazy. All right? So David flees. And they said that he wrote this because he felt betrayed. He felt, he felt heartbroken. He felt like he was, he was living on the run. And like myself, the situations in David's life led him to this dark place. And then don't, don't turn there, but just write this down in your notes. Psalm 42, 11. It says, you, you can almost picture like that question, why? Right? You ever ask that question, why? Why? My soul, are you so dejected? Like, why does my heart, why do I feel the way I feel? Why are you in so much turmoil? I'm talking about his heart, the inside. Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. So despite the dark place that David was in, he's going, all right, all right, this is, I'm hurt. You, do you hear the hurt, this the turmoil? He uses that word. He said, but I'm still going to praise the Lord. You see, it was true at time in David's life. But it's also true for you and me. And our big idea tonight is this. Our big idea is this. God can heal our pain. God can heal our pain. That's our big idea. Our first point is our outward pain is a reflection of an inward wound. Our outward pain is a reflection of an inward wound. Meaning our brokenness. Our hurts. They're all symptoms of a wound that we have received. It's like there, there's something that's gone on or happened in our life that causes us to act a certain way or to react a certain way. Now, I remember when my brother, uh, he had just gotten married and they were going on this mission trip to, to Guatemala, right? And so anytime you go overseas, you're like, don't drink the what? That was an easy one. Like, what else are you going to drink? So he's like, don't drink the water. Why do you don't drink the water? You're going to get sick and it's bad. Trust me, you're about to find out. So my, brother, so my brother's like, all right, I'm not going to drink water. But he's like, I'm from the south. I'm about five, six days into this trip. I'm drinking some, I'm drinking some tea. They're like, okay. So they boiled the water. That's good, right? So you get, all the funky stuff gets out if you boil it. Uh, he's like, oh, I got, some, I got some tea. But you can't have tea without some ice. Grabs some ice, puts the ice in there, drinks it. Mm. Oh, some good old tea, Kyle Olin. Good old tea in Guatemala. Well, there's about, I don't know, eight, ten hours later, homeboy is tore up. Like, he's like, woo! And they're like, what did you drink? Did you drink the water? He goes, no, I had tea. We boiled it. Did you put ice in it? Well, yeah. You're an idiot. I was like, 
what do you think the water's made, the ice is made out of? He's like, oh. You know, it's like, like that's, that's how he was. So it, it, the thing was, you could see physically that he was jacked up. You could see physically the bathroom jacked up. You know, so I, like physically on the outward, you could see that there was something wrong. But it wasn't that something outwardly caused him to look this way. Here's the reality. Listen to me. There was something alive in him that caused him to act and react a certain way that on the outside of him, you could physically see that there was a problem. You see, the outward, our outward pain is a reflection of an inward wound. When we have heavy stress or depression, it is a result of what's going on inside of us being reflected outwardly. So what causes these issues with us? What causes these things to happen? Well, here's just a few things as you're taking notes. Here's a few things. And this isn't the, the end-all, be-all to list, but I feel like these are very, very important to share with you. How does depression set in? Well, the first one is, is expectation, right? It's, it, it's, this, it's this expectation that we don't feel like we can live up to others' expectations for us. So maybe that's a dad that is just trying to live uh, uh, his life through you in, in sports or in academics or, or whatever, and you've got this pressure and this expectation that I have to perform to a certain level in order for me to find my worth, and that pressure becomes too, too big. So expectations can be a huge part of this, or, or maybe it's comparison. What about that, that idea of, of comparison? You see, we see everybody else's life on Instagram, Right? And nobody posts anything that's like junky in their life on Instagram. It's like, it's the best day of my life when they're punching their, their boyfriend under the table. Like, I hate your guts, but we're going to look cute. Like, like, everything looks great, right, on Instagram and Snapchat. You're like, worst day of my life. You know, I don't get it. But nobody posts anything junky going on. And, but we're looking at these things and we're going, okay, all right, comparison, uh, hello, wish my life looked like that. But reality is it doesn't look like that. And this this anxiety begins to set in because of comparison. And then thirdly, maybe it's experience. And I think this is probably uh, one of the most overwhelming. And one of the most, for me, this is where I was when I was telling you my story. It was this experience. And the experience in our life has this lingering residual effect. What do I mean by experience? Maybe, you're, maybe your parents split up. And because your parents split, you've carried that burden. You've carried that stress and that anxiety inside of you like it's your fault. Or maybe it's, maybe it's a, a friendship like mine that, that was, seemed to be great and, and it was broken off and it's lots of wounds, lots of hurts, lots of gossip and, and your name is being thrown in the mud and it begins to build up all these anxieties. Or maybe, maybe it's a diagnosis of, of someone that you're really close to. Like for me, my grandfather getting diagnosed with cancer is a really big deal for me, and I carried that. Like that, that, that stress and that anxiety built upon the other things that happened. Like, so maybe it's an experience for you. Something's happened in your life to build this anxiety. But then there's also the possibility, and this is a real possibility. I don't want to overlook this, that there's a chemical imbalance. You see, it's not always something that's happened outwardly or something that causes uh, an inward uh, uh, anxiety state or depressive state. There also can be a mental issue, and I don't mean mental as in like, like a degrading mental issue, but a legitimate mental diagnosis going, there's a chemical imbalance happening in your body. And, and it's the word serotonin, and the body has this, 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 when it has this consistent stress over a long period of time, it begins to become depleted of that serotonin. That serotonin is crucial 
Because it helps regulate your mood. It helps regulate your social behaviors, your appetite, your memory, your sleep, all of these things. There's, there's many things to that. But without the sufficient amount of that, then this, this mental illness, if you will, begins to set place. So, the, so there's multiple ways that anxiety and depression can, can set in. These are just a few, but whichever it is, if any of those on that list hit you tonight, whatever it is you're going through, I want to continually point you to Scripture, like I said, because, yeah, I didn't want to hear it in the moment, but I'm so glad that it was being poured over me. And so that's what I'm going to do tonight is constantly remind you of God's great love for you and to share verses with you like this, that, that he heals the brokenhearted and he bandages their wounds. Or John 10.10, 10, it says that a thief, a thief comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus doesn't, doesn't come to steal your joy. Jesus doesn't, hey, I'm, I'm mad at them, so I'm going to cause this to happen to them or their family. Jesus doesn't work that way. He says a thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come so that may have, they may have life and to have it in abundance. Remembering our big idea, God can heal our pain. So our first point is this, our outward pain is a reflection of an inward wound. Our second point, write this down, know your weaknesses. This is huge for all of us. And I tell people all the time, Jeremiah comes on staff, and I tell him, I said, bro, this is the us thing, not a me thing. I need to know my weaknesses. If there's anything in my leadership that I'm not aware of, please tell me. It's called a blind spot for a reason. We must know the things that lead us to doubts and temptations in our life. And, and how else will we defend ourselves if we don't know how to grow? I want to show you just a, a quick video clip, and then I'm going to expound upon this. So check out this video clip. Maybe it'll be familiar to you. Ladies and gentlemen, we do apologize for the delay. Uh, it was a very close race, and we needed to be sure. But we can now announce that the first ever California State cross-country champion team is McFarland. <laughs> I think every sports movie is made better when Kevin Costner's in it, just saying. <clears throat> uh, and I got really nervous. I thought they were about to start making out, but whatever. So, uh, McFarlane USA, anybody seen this movie? Fantastic movie. It's a great movie. And here's, here's what just happened. The first ever cross-country championship uh, team, period, uh, was McFarlane. And, and, and here's what happened as a result. This is the ending result, but here's what happened in the race, first race. Uh, they went to the first track meet. They were so excited. They were running like 15 and, and 17 or 17 minute 5K miles, 13 to 17 uh, minute 5K miles. That, that, or 5K. So that's, that's a pretty big deal. Like I'm not a runner, but I feel like that's pretty fast. All right, I'm still sitting at home eating uh, Doritos or something. So they're running. All right, 
And so they're flying, and they start their first track meet or their cross-country meet. They're running. They're just smoking. But at the end, they wind up coming in dead last, and here's the reason. As they were training, as they were training, they only trained on flat surfaces. So when they got to the real meet and they had to go up the hills and down the hills, they were exhausted. They wore out. And so here's what happened. They recognized that their weakness was hills. And so that weakness, they began to train, and they found a place that they could run, and it would be harder, and it would be uh, more, uh, in, in, more hard for them to run. And so they actually turned their weakness into a strength. And as a result, they became one of the best uh, cross-country teams in the whole state of California, all because they recognized their weakness and they became a strength. You see, here's the thing. When we see our weaknesses, we're able to grow in those areas. We're able to grow stronger in our faith in those areas and more secure through staying in God's word. That's why God's word is so important here tonight. We're able to grow because God gives us the growth we need. And if you're like me, I, I, I want it to happen like yesterday, right? Anybody been in a place where they're like, all right, Lord, I'm praying and I need you to do it uh, now. You know what I'm saying? Like when things happen, we're like, all right, God, I'm praying. I know you can do it, but if you could do it tonight, that'd be awesome. That doesn't usually happen. Now, I don't want to be like the bearer of bad news, but most of the time in my life, it's like it takes a little bit of time. It took me years to get over some of the stuff that I have, have been through, but giving our weaknesses to God and expecting them to change overnight is an unrealistic expectation. But here's the truth tonight, students. Healthy things grow, but they grow slowly. You ever had a pot roast in a crock pot? Mm, sweet Jesus. Like, that's a lot better on low for about eight hours, Miss Debs, versus you put that joker on higher in the, in the oven or something dumb like that. It's going to be tough and nasty, right? Healthy things grow. Good things grow slowly. Think for a moment. Anybody been to, like, the Redwood Forest or been to Yosemite Park where you see, like, those massive sequoia trees? I've never been, but I want to go. Like, I love that. These things grow for hundreds of years, and they're, they're extremely tall, and they're extremely large, even to the point where you can drive vehicles through them. But that didn't happen overnight, right? It happened over time. And they're, they're tall and they're healthy looking. You can tell that they're healthy looking, but it didn't happen overnight. It's a process for them to grow slowly so they can become strong. So they can become, because their weaknesses, actually their roots aren't very deep. And because they're not very deep, they interlock their root system with each other to hold each other up. So the point here tonight is identify your weakness. You have to identify your weakness. So I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe you write this down and then you answer it later, but let me ask you a question. What is your anxiety? Or let me rephrase it. What causes your anxiety? And what can you do about it? So what causes your anxiety and what can you do about it? So what do I mean by that? If it's social media, guess what? Delete it. You mean I can, I can do that? You added it. You can delete it. Oh, but I can't do that. I'm, I don't understand. I don't understand you guys. I love you, but I don't understand you. I can't handle everything on social media. Delete it. I can't do that. Well, all right. Well, whatever. Good luck. You know, like, I, I can't help you there. I had a friend of mine who, who, who is a grown adult who is a married woman with kids, and she had to delete social media because here's why. She would find herself scrolling through Instagram while her husband's at work, and she would see these pictures of, you remember, everything's perfect at home, right? Everything's perfect on Instagram, etc. Of, of these husbands bringing their wives flowers when they came home for work or taking them on these fancy dates and cruises, and she's like, what? My husband's just working, providing for the family, you know? Where's my flowers? Like, 
And she came to her senses and realized, my husband loves me so much. And all I do is feed myself doubts because of social media and comparison. So she deleted it. And it's been one of the best decisions that she's ever made. If it's situations you can control, do what you need to do to control them. If you find yourself stressed out like I was in college because I'm not prepared for my test because I studied about 20 minutes before that joker, like procrastination is something you can work on. So if that's causing you stress, then figure out ways to figure that out. Or maybe it's simple things in life. Maybe it's your friend group stressing you out to the max. You don't want to let them go, but you realize that they're the ones that are the distraction for you. They're the ones that are causing you the anxiety and the depression. And so maybe it's time to let them go. And guess what? Let me tell you something. Y'all ready for this? Y'all lean in. They're going to be okay. And you're not going to know them when you graduate anyway. Just saying. I don't even, the one friend I kept up with out of high school, I don't, even, I don't even talk to him anymore. So there you go. There's that. Forget all your friends. I'm kidding. Don't do that. But do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes the things that cause us the most stress, you're like, I can't let go of it. Dasani makes me break out in hives, or I'm going to keep drinking it. Let it go. I'm telling you, you'll be a whole different person. And once we've identified these things, how can we grow strong in our weaknesses? This brings me to my third point. You ready for a third point? A third point is this. Stay in God's word. Stay in God's word. And remember that that time, I didn't want to hear it, but man, there's verses like this that just fire me up. Psalm 119, 105. Write it down. Psalm 119, 105. You ready for it? Say, yeah. God's word is a lamp that guides our feet. How about this one? Hebrews 4.12. You ready for that one? The sword that we carry into battle. Or Matthew 24.35. It is enduring and will never pass away. I love this quote that Eli Moran and Jeff Borton spoke the other day. He said this. If we are going to experience the goodness of God and the sturdiness of God, we must build ourselves upon him. Upon his word. Simply put, we must spend time with him. Mind-blowing, right? God's word puts things in perspective. And what I mean by this is, is, is things, you guys good over here? Y'all track with me? You don't even know who I'm talking to. Y'all good? All right. So what happened, what I mean by this is this. Things that seem so big and so large actually become very minute. Because one of the things that we think that God can't even handle, we go, wait a second, no, 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 no. I ran a stop sign. I got pulled over. I'm freaking out. But in reality, it's not God's fault. You ran a stop sign. Or maybe it's a situation with your parents that you go, God can't even fix this. And you start blaming yourself and you go, the reality is, no, God can. But that's a result of my parents. It's not a result of myself. See, God's word puts things in perspective. If we go back to Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, I love this. that We read it now, and David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. Remember when I said it doesn't happen overnight? He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And, and guess what? He turned me, turned to me, and he heard my cry for help. So God's listening to you. Even though you don't feel like he is, he's listening to you. David says so. He brought me up from my desolate pit, saying that God rescued me. He pulled me out of this darkness. He pulled me out of this situation, out of the muddy clay, and he set my feet, I love this, on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, and you see it twist, and it begins to praise God. A new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. 
Many will see and fear and they will trust in the Lord. It is good to know that our God is strong even in the weakness. Isn't that good news? Even in the deepest, darkest place that you may be in right now, that Jesus is good. And it's awesome to know that he hears us when we cry, that he's listening to us and he has compassion and he's willing to lift us up, but he doesn't just leave us up and leave us there. That's the good news. He's not just going to lift us up, put us on a rock and say, all right, good luck, go get them. He's going to do this. As verse 2 says, he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. And that rock reference to David is actually referenced in Psalm 28, verse 1. And it brings a little bit of clarity to this. He says, Lord, I will call to you. There it is again, my rock. Do not be deaf to me. If you remain silent to me, I will be like those going down to the pit. So he recognizes that, Jesus, I need you. God, I need you because you are my rock. You are the security that I need. And what we see here and the difference in these 12 passages, these 12 psalms, is, is first calling out to God saying, if you remain silent to me, I will be like those going down to the pit. And then eventually God hears him, pulls him up. And from the very weakness that he was struggling with, God pulls him up. But there is also an important word in 20 and 40 that describes God being the rock, being the security, being the firm foundation. Like the rock is strong and sturdy, so is our God strong and sturdy, willing to hold you in the most terrifying winds and the most terrifying storms that may come our way. Students, do not walk out of here not understanding that God can heal our pain. And that's not to overshadow your pain and your struggle right now, but God can heal your pain. He may just be saying, just, just, just hold tight. Just hold tight. And so in closing, I wanna, I wanna share this with you. We wanna help you. So if you're in here and you're going, this is me. I'm struggling with you. I had any clue what I'm going through right now, you would freak out. You would literally freak out. I want you to know that we're here to help you, that you're not alone, and not to ignore those that are around you, maybe even sitting beside you right now that want to help you. You know, it reminds me of a story I heard a long time ago, and I don't even know who told me this, but it was a story of this man, right, who was stranded out in, in the ocean. Maybe you've heard this. Stranded out in the ocean, and he's praying to God. He's saying, God, I need you to rescue me. God, I'm going to drown. God, would you sin? Uh, would, you, would you come and rescue me? And all of a sudden, there's like a boat that comes by. And he's like, do you want help? Oh, I'm good. I'm praying to God. He's going to help me. All right. Boat leaves. God, I need you to rescue me. God, I need you to help me. And all of a sudden, he, like this helicopter comes flying over. To, do you need help? I got it. God's got me. He's going to come by and help me. And then another person comes. Another person comes. The dude drowns. He gets to him. He's like, God, where the heck were you at? He's like, I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. I sent many people, but you chose to ignore them. You see, a lot of times God puts people in our paths, and God has allowed people to come into our life for us to simply ask for help, just like me. I don't want to ask for help, but when I did, it was game-changing for me. See, I would never have come out of hiding if I would never have gotten up and begin to move. But it's hard to do this when the world clouds our minds, Right? It's hard to do this when we hear, well, if you're, you're depressed or if you got anxiety, then there's, there's ways to cope with that. And so we turn to things like, like cutting. And, and I understand there's some in here that that's, that's, that's 
you're down to the point where you're like, nothing else is working. I don't feel like anybody's listening, and so that's what I'm going to. Or maybe you're like, yeah, medication was helping for a, a little bit, but, but then it turns to over-medicating. You see, medication's good, but over-medicating is a different story. But we see this all, all the time. The world says, you know, cutting is okay, over-medicating is okay. Then you turn to, to something like an eating disorder or, or whatever it is. All of these things you try to, from the world standards, try to take away the pain and to relieve the pain for a period of time. And then, worst case scenario, you, you turn to Satan putting doubts in your mind and you think the only other way is to, is to, to take your life. And so I'm not, I'm not ignorant to the fact that there's somebody in here tonight that maybe that's been a recurring thought. And all the things I've said tonight, even with me prefacing my own story, you're going, yeah, uh, once again, here we go. Jesus isn't helping anything. I've got it all figured out. And I just want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, that's not the answer. Because if there's nobody else in your life if there's nobody else in your life, I want you, I want you, to, I want you to lean in for a second. There's still a lot of people with side conversations and a lot of chatter going on. I'm going to ask you, please, from the, just please, will you do me a favor? Not for me, but for those around you. Please stop talking. Because there's somebody in here tonight that is, that is hurting and needs our help. And I'd hate for you to be the person that distracts him in such a way to go, they don't even care enough about me to listen and be quiet. I'm saying that because I love you. But what I want to do is I want you to hear me say this. You are loved. You are cared for. You were created with a purpose. That God has created you unlike anyone else in the world. There is nobody in this world, listen to me, there's nobody in this world that can do what you can do. You are uniquely and wonderfully made in the image of God. And God does not make mistakes. Did you know that you are God's most prized possession? That of all the things that he created, you are his most prized possession that he breathed life into you and that he recognized that, that you couldn't do life alone so he gave you people. And so wherever you are in this moment tonight, wherever you are in this moment right now, I want you to hear that. That I love you, that I care about you, that God loves you, and if you feel like you've got nowhere else to turn, you can come to Long Hollow. You can come to us, and we'll listen. We don't have all the answers, but I promise you that we will be a shoulder to cry on, a person to talk to, and somebody to walk through this journey with you. You know, I heard a quote this, this morning that, that I thought was incredible, and, and I want to share this with you. It, it was, if you Google Car Carlos and the Suicide Son, this image will, will pop up of a of an individual, his name is Carlos Navarro. 
Um, he was actually a, a student, ironically enough, he was a student in Jeff Borton's ministry in Miami, and, and they were talking about a series similar to this and this topic, and, and this, this walking point for him stood out. This is Carlos. Can't really see the sign, so I'll read it. It says this. It says, suicide does not end the chances of life getting worse. Suicide eliminates the possibility of it ever getting better. Let me read that again. Suicide does not end the chances of life getting worse. Suicide eliminates the possibility of it ever getting better. And here's, here's, here's what happened with Carlos. Carlos left. He was a student just like you. He left. He wasn't struggling with depression or anxiety or suicide. He left here going, there's so many people in this world that, one, need to know the love of Jesus, but, two, I can possibly help and encourage. I'm a, this, this, this word came to him. He put it on this sign, and he took that picture, and that picture went viral. So much so that a bunch of celebrities begin to, to get on board and post these pictures because of the awareness trying to help and try to prevent suicide. And, and what happened is a lot of people, Sean Mendez, a lot of a lot of musicians, a lot of people, we've got another photo of just other people that got on board. And he said, I was never trying for this to happen. No, he never even put his name on there, but people all over the world began to, to post this because they wanted people to know that they were loved and that they were cared for. And if they didn't hear it from anybody else, they could at least see physically that there are people that were going, hey, listen to me. Suicide does not end the chances of life getting worse. Suicide eliminates the possibility of it ever getting better. And so if that's you in here tonight, and you struggle with anxiety or depression or maybe even thoughts of suicide, I want to let you know once again that Jesus loves you, that we love you, that you are, you are beautifully and wonderfully made. You have a purpose even if you don't see it. And so what we're going to do as we, as we close out, I know it's a heavy message, I know it's a, a heavy topic, it hits, hits a, lot of, a lot of people different ways, but here's what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do. I want everybody to just bow their heads and close their eyes and, and, and please, for just for the next few minutes, please, if any urge in you wants to be a distraction, I pray against that in the name of Jesus that you would just be respectful to those that are around you. And I'm going to give you two walking points tonight. And they're on their sheets. You can take them out when you leave. But the two walking points are this. I want you to talk to someone tonight. If that is you, I want you to talk to someone tonight. We've got adults and we've got some professional counselors that will be over to my left, your right, through the Next Steps room that would we'll, we'll love to, to, to pray with you, to talk with you. They're not going to necessarily have every answer to your question, but they're willing to pray over you. And we're going to pass that information on to people that, will, that can help you. But secondly, if you're in here and you're, and you're not the person that struggles with this and you know somebody that struggles with this, I want to I ask that will you please let us know. You're not ratting on anybody. You're not telling on anybody. You are rescuing someone. A friend is not a friend that pats you on your back. A friend is a friend that is willing to stand up for you. Remembering, we won't remember the words of our enemies. We will remember the silence of our friends. So if you're in here tonight and you're saying, well, I, need, I just need help. I'm not going to draw this out. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and move or anything like that. I'm just going to ask you simply, if you're in here and you're going, well, I'm struggling was something that you said tonight. Would you just do me a favor and slip your hand up where I can see it? Thank you. Thank you. All over the room. Don't be ashamed. You're saying, well, I need help. Well, I want to talk with someone. I want to thank you for that. We're gonna, I'm going to pray for you. 
And I'm going to pray for those that are in the room that, that can be a support system for others. And what we're going to do is we're going to go into worship. And as we begin to worship, I'm going to ask it if, if you need to talk with somebody. Just as we wor- worship, I want to ask you just, just to get up. Everybody's standing at the same time. If you need to go, you may be going to the restroom for anybody knows, right? I want you to go to your, to my left, far left.